the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to On the Record with Tiffany. There are heroes throughout San Antonio, men and women that go the extra mile to make lives better. During the next hour, you'll be inspired as we introduce you to these unsung heroes. And now here's your host, Tiffany Jones-Smith. You are listening to On the Record with Tiffany and Kevin on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. As the descendants of freedmen, we're providing an unapologetic, black-first, radical Republican perspective on health, business, politics, and culture. All right, Tiffany. Okay, so uh, this week's section is on, uh, we're going to talk about health, all right? And we're going to do... I think you when we were preparing for this. You were talking about initially uh, asking me questions about some of the things that I've seen just as I've been a consultant with you. Right. So what have you seen? What have I seen? Just uh, just as being a consultant uh, to the foundation as an outsider. Right. I think you've been doing this for five years. Kind of the main theme, and I kind of sort of already kind of knew these just as a patient who infrequently goes to the doctor, right, is that from my view, right, you have to self-educate yourself, right, especially in the area of, of nephrology. If you're a kidney patient, I would imagine the same would be if you were, you know, uh, heart diabetes or whatever, is that you really have to do a lot of self-education. And unfortunately, there's just so much that's out there that is, you know, confusing, misinforming, etc. So for me, I found just in that self-education process, the best websites are going to be the one from the National Institutes of Health. Right. So like with kidney, with kidneys, diabetes. Right. It's going to be the N.I.D.D.K. I think it's N.I.D.D.K. dot N.I.H. dot gov. It's a long one. Uh, but that one has that website has the best information uh, as far as like the details there uh, on that. So. uh so, that's yes, true. That's it, where everybody gets their information from. Yeah, that's true. Everybody's pulled their information from uh, from the from the niddk.nih.gov uh, website. I mean, you, there's a lot of self education uh, that you have to inform yourself. Uh, you got to self educate yourself. That's the first thing. Uh, the second second item, just from my viewpoint, that I see that we have there is that uh, it really feels like. Uh, you're kind of on your own in the sense that you've got to self-educate yourself. You've got to empower yourself with knowledge, right? And then also, uh, it feels like, right, you have to be your best advocate. I think you say that a lot, and that's really true. You've got to be your best advocate because the the healthcare industry is really, uh, it's a profit center, Right. In a profit center in the sense that they take care of sick people. They provide sick people with the best health care available. Right. Uh, Once you get into the system. But you really have to advocate and get yourself into the system. Uh, by into the system, I mean you got to find the doctors because when you're looking for, uh, for for information on doctors, they all look the same. They all have medical degrees, and you're trying to figure it out. Right. Well, what you're describing is there's not a system that is made to make you better. Mm-hmm. This system is made to take care of you while you're sick. And that's where the profit center is, is in taking care of you while you're sick. So if you want to get better, you're going to have to be the one who comes up with that plan because that's not the plan they have. Yeah, yeah. And then just also... Uh, and it's not customer friendly. It is not customer friendly. It is not where I call. They're like, hey, Mr. Smith, we're glad to help you. Right. We want to help you and get you in the right lane and everything. It's just not right. Uh, and then when you go or you call up those practices that are customer uh, friendly, that do treat you with dignity and respect, you're just like, where do these people come from? Are they aliens? Right. 
And uh, it always felt like you were, it always feels like you're like, wait a minute, something's going to go wrong. If you find a really good uh, uh, practice or hospital that has uh, very customer oriented uh, 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 practice right around it. So th- th- that's the thing that I found that there. And then also, uh, you know, go ahead. Why is that? Uh, what do you mean? Why do you say they're not customer oriented? Uh Perfect. Is it the amount of time they're spending with patients? What is it? I would say it's the amount of, one, time that they're spending with the patient, right? It's, How much time do they typically spend? Uh, typically they spend, uh, and I don't know if there's a study, I'm just basing, you know, it's about five, you know, three, five, maybe ten minutes, right, that you're, that they're seeing you on average. There is a study, and it's somewhere between three and five minutes. Three and five they, minutes. That uh, the uh, average physician spends actually talking to, to yeah the and you've got to come in with your list of questions because you can't just be like hey how's the family let's catch up no 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 you got to have your list of stuff that you that you're coming in there with and uh, and have the questions and sometimes you have to be pushy to get those questions right because uh so that's what I. So that's that's the why you got to have a structure. You got to have you got to have come in with a mental structure in mind of the questions and concerns that you have. Have those out. Have those written down and not rude, but kind of pushy, right? Uh, and, and in some cases, to say, hey, these are of a concern for me, and, you know, and answer the questions and and have done your research from a reputable uh, a reputable website and not something you just randomly got, right? And I would say, and I, I push this, right, the NIDDK dot NIH dot gov. That's the starting point if you're in the, if you have diabetes or uh, some type of a kidney issue, wouldn't you say? If you've, been, if you've been diagnosed with diabetes, hypertension, cardiovascular disease, if you have obesity, those are, if you have any of those, then uh, you're going to want to ask uh, very specific questions about your kidneys. You want to know what your estimated glomerular filtration rate is. Mm-hmm. You want to know um, how are my kidneys functioning? How were they functioning last year? How are they functioning the year before? So you can see, is it, are my kidneys declining in function? If they are, uh, why? And is there something we can do to mitigate that decline? There are things that you can do. So... Um, and a lot of it resides with diet and exercise. Yeah, and 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 that's the other thing too is you were bringing up the numbers. You got to know what the key numbers are, right? So in the kidney world, the key numbers are EGFR. It's creatin. I always say that wrong. Creatin, and then albumin, right? Mm-hmm. And you've got to track those numbers across time because mm-hmm. oftentimes you'll get the number, and the number is sort of uh, what I what I refer to is out of context. It's not in, in, in yeah, it's out of context, because, and it's not intuitive. Yeah, it's, it's not intuitive at all, right? And so it'd be essentially like me coming to you and say, "Hey, invest in my business. I made a million dollars last year." You're going to be like, okay, but how much revenue did you have to generate? How much, uh, you know, how much revenue? How much was did you need to invest in the company? Whole list of things, right? And you want to see that across time. So, if in, in that business example, right? If I say invest in my business, it made a million dollars last year, but it took a billion in revenue. You'd pause, and then if I told you last year it took two billion and we didn't make any money the previous year, you would see. Wait a minute, I think we're going in the right trend, but you'd. Have have something to compare it to year over year, right? Understanding what the numbers mean and then seeing the numbers movement up or down. That's the other thing that I that I find that you have to know as well, right? And then the other thing which I think is interesting is that um, that you unknowingly, right? Sometimes your choice is limited, right? Where you have to stay in network and you uh, you can't go out of network on that one, right? So you, your doctor, you have this one doctor and you've got to stay in, in, in the network uh, and you can't go out, right? So I think that limits a lot of times. It feels like it's limiting patient choice on that one. So those are really the four things. And we have great care for sick people. You know, once you get in the system, uh, there, I mean, there is there is great care for you as a sick person, but not uh, there's not a lot of preventative stuff, right? There's not a lot of preventative stuff, and you initially are going to be on your own. 
trying to figure this part out and go where you were and getting where you need to go. That's, that's for my view. There's a lot of gaslighting around preventative, too. You'll hear people saying, uh, like in the kidney world, oh, prevention, prevention, prevention. You'll hear that, mm-hmm. but you don't see any action around yeah, it. Yeah, that is true. There's no action around it. Like when Texas Kidney Foundation says prevention, we have an entire system around prevention. Yep. And it starts with early detection. People who really are putting their money where their mouth is, they're out there actually checking for prevention. Mm-hmm. They're actually doing things to prevent disease mitigation, to, to be, prevent disease from uh, continuing. So, you know, you're going to have to be that prevention specialist for yourself. Yeah. Because uh, our healthcare system, just the sheer facts and the numbers, the numbers support that that people aren't doing preventative. They're talking about doing preventative. They're not doing it. Yeah. And then the the other item that I see, right, is that there is there is a lot of emphasis on the individual, which which you have to be the person to advocate mm-hmm. for yourself. There's a lot of emphasis on the individual. Here's an example. There's a lot of gaslighting. A lot of gaslighting, right? So here's here's an example. Let's say you are you you qualify for a for a kidney first. Let's say you qualify for a kidney transplant, right? The unless you get a caseworker, and I don't know what the percentage is on that. I'll have to go back and read. Unless you get a caseworker, you're going to be uh, the person uh, coordinating a lot of that, initiating a lot of that, having to do follow up on a lot of that. A lot of times there are cancellations on the hospital's part, on the OR, and you got to follow up. And it feels like they're ignoring you because that's feels like that because sometimes that's what it is. Right. From my from the patient's perspective. And you've got to be assertive and aggressive, but not belligerent, right? Because doctors are seeing it from their view, but you're seeing it from your view as well. And your view is life. You need life. And so you have to interact and you've got to constantly remind yourself not to be belligerent because you're, 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 you're there, right? You've called your life is in their hands. That's why you have to remind yourself of that. Yeah. You have to remind Mm -hmm. yourself of that. And so that's the part when I say you're on your own and you have to follow up because there's, and the gaslighting part is, Hey, you were, you, you didn't follow up with the OR. You didn't follow up with anyone, right? Not realizing uh, or maybe realizing that you have, uh, you had to go to dialysis. Dialysis is, it sucks your energy and your time out. For most people. Yeah, for most people. It is, it, 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 it is a big energy drain from you to do dialysis. And so that's the part where people, I mean, you've got to have either a loved one or you yourself have, have got to just go out and be very assertive around that part to make sure you get the appointment scheduled when it's there and that you follow up. And the other item just, uh, also around that is that the timing that you take that medication is hyper important. You got to take it on a scheduled timer. Don't listen to these people who tell you, "Oh, it doesn't matter when you take it. It's important when you take the when you take the medication on a transport." You've got to be religious about that, and that only comes through self education. The number of people that we meet that I meet in regards to that who feel like, "Oh, you know, I'm when you take your medicine." Oh, I took it a while back. No, you've got to take that medicine on time on a set schedule in order for your body not to reject that kidney and you just can't go around I met a gentleman who's drinking like a soda I'm like dude that's the last thing you need to be drinking you meet a lot of kidney transplant patients who are drinking sodas and doing whatever and part of part of that is the gaslighting narrative that everybody receives the entire time leading up to that which is this is this is on you. You don't have to worry about all of this stuff. You know, just do just enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's that's not the way you want to want to handle your health. Yeah, I mean, you because you, you're the one who has to live in this body, and if it's not functioning properly, uh, or if you're given poor advice by uh, a medical professional, you're still the person at the end of the day with yeah. or without a kidney. Yeah. And, you know, and just those are the items that I've learned just in researching and then just following up and and with the Kidney Foundation. So what about on the front end? Uh, What have you seen with 
Preventative care. What, who have you seen doing preventative care besides Texas Kidney Foundation? Yeah, and preventative care, you see a lot of places talking about it, right, preventative care, but there's this general uh, nihilistic view that it's just the way it's going to happen, right? It's just mm-hmm. the way— uh, What does nihilistic mean? Nihilistic means it's hopelessness, it's inevitable, it's just going to happen. You're just going to go into kidney failure. Right. And it's really your, not your mom. did. Your mama your had it. Your did, daddy right? had it. Right. There's all this <clears> stuff. Right. How dare we ask you to adjust your uh, your 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 diet. Right. And then you, then all of a sudden people become culturally aware in the medical profession. Right. Well, we want to be culturally aware of, of what you do and, you know, how you eat and everything. It's just BS. Right. And not, we don't want to on the adjustment part. So. Uh, it's your, they're saying you're responsible, but at the same time, giving you advice or, 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 or cutting you or giving you leeway to be irresponsible. That makes sense? Yes. And then what happens? And then when it doesn't go right, hey, it's on That's you, buddy. That's your fault. Yeah. Like, it's uh, your fault. Mm-hmm. These, all these non-compliant patients, we don't know what to do with them. Yeah. And it's that. So, it's, mm-hmm. and, and that's the gaslighting part. We're going to lead you down the road to uh, to ruin and then back up and wash our hands of it. I'll give you a perfect example, right? A friend of mine who is extremely disciplined. I mean, I mean, hardcore disciplined, marathon runner, triathlon guy. I mean, just extremely disciplined, right? One of the things that one of his doctors told him was, hey, don't be so uh, don't be so hardcore on this. Lighten up a little bit. You can eat some pizza every now and then. And he then- told him that after his kidney transplant. Yeah, after the kidney transplant. Like, why is he's it? vigilant about Oh, yeah. About he's got a eats. timer because he self-educated himself. Mm-hmm. He knows what the experts are saying. He went to the website that I yeah. suggested. He's vigilant about those yeah. immunosuppressants and mm-hmm. taking them on time. Vigilant about what he <clears throat> puts into his body to fuel his body. Mm-hmm. And those people that are, are like that see longevity in their kidneys. Yeah, and they That's are. why he's vigilant. Like and that. that's not the message that's being pushed. Mm-hmm. It just simply isn't. <clears throat> It's not, yeah. and you know, and and that's what we're saying about about the gaslighting. People are smiling yeah. and friendly, and your health is not their their top priority. And I'll, I'll give you one more. I talked to a lady. We were at I forget. We, we do the YMCA's here locally in in, uh, in in the city, and I'm just going around with each one of them to see that our that the processes that we in theory think should work right, they're actually working. Mm-hmm. And there was a and there was a, a young lady about 70, 71, 72. and so her husband goes to dialysis, right? And I asked, I said, hey, are, is, is he eligible for, because 70's young, right? So I said, uh, is he eligible for a transplant? And she said, well, yeah, but he's not going to get one because he's just way too old. He's going to continue to get <clears> the <throat> transplant. And I said, well, I hate to tell you this, but it's kind of selfish. Continue on his, to get dialysis? Continue to get dialysis, sorry. Continue to get dialysis, right? And I said, well, I hate to tell you this, it's kind of selfish, right? Because even though... Does he have someone that would that would give a transplant? She says, yeah, he has someone. I said, so if you do the kidney exchange, I said, that's potentially three, four, you know, three or four other people that could potentially be helped and taken off the list just by him deciding to do that and not saying, oh, I'm just too old. Right. He's 70. Mm-hmm. He is 70. And in the in the realm of old people, 70 is fairly young. Right. Mm-hmm. And so he has grandkids, but he has to go to dialysis. He chooses to go to dialysis uh, two, three, four times a week. And that's not from my viewpoint. That is not the heroic thing to do. Right. When you could be sp- enjoying your life, spending time with your grandkids and potentially helping three, four other people around that. So those are the things that I've learned, Tiffany, just in my, my what I've been what been consulting what now three, four months. Mm-hmm. So that's me as an outsider coming into that on the on that part there, uh, working with the foundation. Anything else? No, that's all I wanted to ask you. All right. And you've been listening to On the Record with Tiffany and Kevin on 930 AM, The Answer. We want to know what you think. Please visit our YouTube channel, subscribe, and leave your comments. Check us out at On the Record with Tiffany on YouTube. And all you have to do is look up 
on the record with Tiffany, and you will get to listen to us talk about freedom, opportunity, growth, and progress. If you like what we're talking about, or if you don't, check us out on YouTube, on the record with Tiffany, and listen to what we have to say, because we can guarantee you we're going to spark some debate at your house, just like at ours. You are listening to On the Record with Tiffany and Kevin on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Yeah, as descendants of freedmen, we provide an unapologetic, black-first, radical Republican perspective on health, business, politics, and culture. All right. So here, uh, Tiffany, you and I were talking about this, right? As we just go through, uh, everyone, I go through and read all the comments in the social media. Tiffany does it because uh, she just doesn't. She don't want to get caught up in, and sometimes the drama that gets involved with comments there. Because lunatics come <laughs> But one of the things, babe, that I've seen is that uh, B1, uh, 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 American descendants of Freedmen, right? There's this sense of hopelessness, of nihilism, right? And it's what I like to call it when I was a kid. My grand, uh, my grandfather would say, you know, them white people ain't going to let us, right? There's a lot of that in the comments in the subculture, right? And there's this unrealistic strategy that a lot of people are recommending. Don't vote. The Democrats aren't going to give us what we want. We ain't voting. Right. Which is the dumbest idea. The dumbest idea, because what you've essentially said is I'm voting for the Republican Party, but I'm uh, but I'm not going to participate in it and help and help shape the agenda. I'm going to give you my vote by not voting. Right. And then that's going to put enough pressure on the Democrats who don't really give a crap about us and our cause. Right. But that's going to be what we're going to do. Right. What's her response to that? Because you seem you you say it nicer than I do. Uh, What would be your response to that? Our ancestors fought so we could have the right to vote. People strapped themselves and their children, their most precious commodity, to rats to brave the seas to come to this country and gain the right to vote. It is the most powerful thing that you have in your possession that every American has. And anybody that tells you not to vote is hamstringing you. Don't trust anyone that tells you don't vote. Mm -hmm. That's my comment on that. Yeah, and my response to that is that I think there is a lack of historical perspective. And let me tell you what I mean by that, lack of historical perspective, is that I don't think people truly realize nor understand in our current generation, how insidiously racist and demonstrably racist America and most of the West was doing from the time uh, from about 1965 backwards on. I mean, it was a truly racist society. And when you think about rolling right out of uh, out of uh, out of the Civil War from the 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 uh, the, the um, the 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 civil rights movement of 1865 to about 1870 right and i said that right people the civil the civil rights movement of 1865 to 1870 really kind of on there right it was met with barbaric violence and terrorism that was committed by southern whites against freedmen and their white allies right it was unbelievable People just people know of the Tulsa, the Tulsa massacre, right? Tulsa massacre. That was just one of many. They don't most people don't in the mainstream don't know about Colfax in 1872, 73. Right. In which and Tiffany has ancestors that lived in that area in which there was a wholesale massacre of uh, black Republicans and uh, and white Republicans. And that was common. And then not just that, the the utter uh, social pressure that was put on white allies who who were advocating for the principles of America. Lynchings were <clears throat> common and people would take pictures. There were postcards of lynchings. People would go and that's the level of barbarism that was happening. People would lynch a black man. And women. Or woman or child, mm-hmm. and then t- 
take a group photo in front, and, and it would be like a big picnic was happening, mm-hmm. like a big, uh, wonderful event, only there's a dead person hanging from a tree, and they're taking postcard pictures mm-hmm. and sending them to their friends as, uh, as hey, Look at this great thing we did. Yeah, and it's not just... It was very common. Yeah. Uh, The social pressure, the social mores around that. Mm -hmm. I mean, what does that say to the people that that, uh, are being oppressed? What does that say to the people that, that are white and that sympathize with with uh, with black people? Hey, this could be you Mm -hmm. or your wife or your kid. Mm hmm. Yeah. And we think this is okay. This yes. is fine. This is, you know, this is what we do after sun on Sunday after church. Yep. And and we when we bring that up, not we bring that up to say we have made progress so much in yeah. America and the opportunities that we have and the ability not just to vote not just to vote, but to participate in the political process. And you have been listening to On the Record with Kevin and Tiffany. Uh, hey, we want to know what you think about this section of, of the show. Go visit us on YouTube at On the Record with Tiffany and drop us a comment where we are unapologetically giving a black first radical Republican perspective. Most people are somewhere in the middle, Mm -hmm. you know, but if you have everybody voting in only one party Mm -hmm. and there's not representation in both parties, there has to be representation in numbers, in numbers, in both parties. If there is not, you've got a problem. You've got one sided Mm -hmm. because I don't have to do anything for you if I know that. You're, you know, if it's a dating situation or, or a, oh, you're referring to my booty call again. I like it. No, I'm not. <laughs> if if we're talking about a work situation and a and a person, you got a a person working on, and they only work on one side of a problem. Well, then their their ideology isn't going to be seen on the other side of the problem because mm-hmm. nobody's there. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody's there working on it. So, you know, what I'm advocating is that we have a big influx of African-Americans in the Republican Party, people who are thinking and voting with a mindset that is uh, for economic development, for freedom, opportunity, growth, and progress for black for people. Black Black neighborhoods, because that benefits the entire nation, mm-hmm. and it benefits the entire community. It does when you see that. Yeah, and so when we when we say we want black people, we want black people with a B one <clears throat> perspective, who are going to come in and abdicate for black people, who are going to sit at the seats of power and be in the discussions. And we have to be able to come in large numbers, right? Where we can say, no, we have in district, whatever the particular district is, we can sway votes. And at the it's, end it's of the day... It's all about voting blocks. It is. And that, that, at the end of the day, it is always the same thing when it comes down to the political process that uh, is democracy with a little d. And that is voting pro- mm-hmm. voting blocks. Do you have enough people to sway a race? Do you have enough people to influence uh, a position that you're looking to influence? That's what this boils down to. Yep. And we have to come in and we have to take the narrative away from the leftist right and the lily white Republicans, because those are the two extremes. The left from the is, extreme left and from the extreme right. And, and yeah, but right. and I bring up Lily White because that's saying that we acknowledge they're racist and racism in the party, but there also is in the Democratic Party. Lily White is what the the uh, that's a the historical reference. Called themselves uh, during Reconstruction, yeah, during the first civil rights movement in uh, the United States. Yeah, 
And so people like that are in the party, but there they, are a they lot of— They came springing up after 1865 to 1870 when we saw such a big, big uh, shift. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to say the numbers like 2,000 yeah, African Americans were, uh, were— Yeah, were elected. 2,000 freedmen were, yeah. and freedmen sympathizers were elected Yeah, um, into into various offices across the United States when— when the lily white, uh, well, when racist white people saw this, then they formed the lily white party. Within the, the lily, Republican Party. Within the Republican Party to drum out uh, Africans, to drum out the freedmen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so, freedmen sympathizers. Yeah. And so what I say to that is to, the, to those uh, B1 uh, uh, Americans, right, in, in, is that take heart. You don't have to. Hold your head down saying this is never going to happen. Complain about the Democratic Party. I'm trying to catch my words here. Complain, simply complain about not being happy with the Democratic Party and not voting. So I tell you that if you don't vote, what you're essentially doing is you're casting a vote for the Republican Party without being involved in the whole process of nominating and getting people appointed and within the office. So you are for you non-voters, you're already participating in the Republican Party. Just come in. No, you're f- casting a vote for the right is what you're casting. Yeah, you're you're, co- you're casting a vote for the for these crazies on in the party, right? Mm-hmm. In the Republican Party when you could just come into the party, help us get the right people, the rational people put in positions of power. Right. And get those people elected. And those people will be the ones that can help push the agenda, push a B1 agenda. You'd be surprised at the number of people who are open to it. You'd be surprised at the number of people who believe in freedom, opportunity, growth and progress. That's the stuff that we can we can rally ourselves around and we can align with. There are other folks that align with our mission. The the. the Democrats have it right when they say we should be building coalitions. Yes, coalitions need to be built. And we're saying we should be building coalitions uh, as black people who believe in freedom, opportunity, growth, and progress. We should be building coalitions with our white allies, with our Asian allies, with our Hispanic allies who believe in the same thing. Yeah, and who are not going to require that we not talk about being B1. Simple, simple fact. Well, whether whether somebody likes that or not, it, it's what we are. Yeah. You are listening to On the Record with Tiffany and Kevin on 9.30 a.m., The Answer. Where we are the, the descendants of freedmen, and we are providing an unapologetic, black-first, radical Republican perspective. Unapologetically, black-first Republicans is what we are. All right. So, Tiffany, in the last session section, we talked about... Uh, uh, black people are not happy with Democrats, nor the Republican Party either. Right. But extremely not happy with the, with the Democratic Party. Uh, but the change that that we're seeking. Right. As, as B1 Americans, the, the, the change that we're seeking is something that can be done in the Republican Party. And I'm surprised at the number of people who just don't see that. Well, they should see it because we have a historical precedent that supports the statement. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Because that's exactly what happened when uh, uh, slaves were freed mm-hmm. and we had this entire freedman population. Yep. That's exactly what happened. The freedmen came into the Republican Party, uh, began to elect people in the primaries and put up candidates, freedmen mm-hmm. candidates mm-hmm. in the primary. So you had black People holding office at rates that you've we never seen before, obviously, mm-hmm. yep. but haven't seen since. Yeah, we haven't. Yeah. Haven't seen since. So, you know, uh, we have the historical precedent. Yeah. It can be done. It was done. We're not talking about something that we're not reinventing the wheel here. Yeah. And we're also talking about. They did that in an environment that was not socially uh, conducive to that, that was not legally conducive to that. They did right? that in an environment that was... Of hostility. 
of straight out mm-hmm. hostility, right? So how much more can we do in the current environment that like, we're in? This is a great environment mm-hmm. because we can we can affect change. We can. We can. And the other thing is that we have the ability to get into the process. You cannot affect change if you are not involved in the process. You cannot affect change if our vote is monopolized by one party. And then we simply say, hey, we're not going to leave this party. We're not going to vote. They're going to see how much they tank. And then then they're going to come to us and ask for change. Is that not I don't know. I want to use the word dumb. Well, I'm. What's your word? I I, I (laughs) keep saying the same thing over and over again. You have to have representation Mm -hmm. in both parties. The reason you need representation in both parties is that when the Republicans are in, in charge, you still have a voice. Mm-hmm. You still have people at the table talking about mm-hmm. your issues and progressing, moving forward, the issues that you want to move forward. If you only have representation on one side, mm-hmm. not only do they not have to listen to you because no nobody's advocating for you on the other side, so you're not going to have the votes that you need mm-hmm. uh, between the two, mm-hmm. you are limited in every possible way because you can't forward your agenda. You don't have support on enough support between the two. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about a specific one, right? And this is the one that 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 uh that we see a lot on TV, right? Police shootings. Right? So mm-hmm. uh, I looked up the number on the Washington Post uh where there are like four hundred and I want to say four hundred and thirty five or so unarmed, unarmed Americans shot and killed. It's like 435. You know, Mm -hmm. I may be off one or two, but 435 that were shot that were unarmed. These are unarmed Americans, black and white, Mexicans, unarmed, right? And there was no recourse, right? 179 of those were white people. Mm-hmm. Now, this isn't one of those, hey, you know, 179 were white. They were shot so to dismiss uh, the others that were non-white. But what I'm saying is, based on the, the model, we have a historical case study, a historical model of what it's like to build a coalition within the Republican Party, right, that achieved a lot. It achieved the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment in an environment of hostility and terror, mm-hmm. Right. How much more can we achieve now? And don't start telling me that we're experiencing white terror with the police. The police are hired by the are, are, are employees of your local government. And you can have a, and you can have a process over to rein that in. But here, let's talk about the police. Right. When I, I gave the number of 179 white people. And the reason I give that number is that that is a perfect opportunity to say, let's build a coalition. Hey, remember this? We were telling you this; these things were happening. Here, let's we can build a coalition inroads at the local level, right? Which a lot of, and I'm going to say it, a lot of the uh, local BLM, Black Lives Matters group, a lot of them are attempting that, are attempting to build coalitions at the local level, but they're not getting any press on that. They're not really getting any assistance. Even the young lady here locally, she had a huge impact on going back at the local level, working with local people. Right. The one thing I like about San Antonio is that there is a lot of working back and forth between Republicans and Democrats to make the city better. Now, Mm -hmm. those are facts, which is what politicians should be doing. They should be serving all of the constituents and not just the constituents that voted for Mm -hmm. them. That's not what the job is. Uh, but but to whatever point you're trying to make with the um, with the with the police shootings, but my, the police are okay. But but my point on that is my point on that that I was trying to make on the, that is an opportunity, a perfect opportunity for there to be a, a building of a coalition at local levels to address uh, to address uh, law and order, but also accountability and responsibility. With police officers, that you are not a special operator 
a special military operator going around and we're not in a, uh, a country under that is besieged by the military where you have the uh, where you have the, the power and authority of God, but the responsibility of a four year old that you are held accountable and we can determine that. So we figure out who's elected and most who is the elected official that's responsible for holding the police accountable. The militarization of the police is... And, and is, taking action on that individual. The militarization of the police is something that you can build a coalition around with other people who are from... Because they're pulling this stuff from on people who are from a certain socioeconomic status. If they think they they troll poor neighborhoods, uh, the the ones that are... are uh, uh, committing these atrocities against against citizens mm-hmm. they're they're profiling people mm-hmm. and they're profiling blacks they're profiling poor whites they're profiling anybody that they think doesn't have enough uh power to go against them yeah it is and that is not i'm going to use a fancy term called uh, that I've seen people use on the internet, uh, a class reductionism, which says we're going to pull race out because we do know amongst those people who are being who are being killed, right, unarmed people mm-hmm. who are being killed, that a, a I hate this term disproportionate number of them are black. But mm-hmm. what we're saying is that this is a perfect opportunity to build a uh, uh, to build a coalition with a group of people. Mm-hmm. Right. To get something changed, because within my mindset, it's always what is the end goal? What is the end goal that we're trying to achieve? And if our end goal is X and we can still do that and we but we have to be able to do that in a coalition with people. That's just simply how our government uh, is set up. And we've got to do it not just at the national level, but at the local level as well. And and the reason I push... We need to do it with a coalition of people because of the numbers that we can pull mm-hmm. with the coalition of people. And uh, because of the sheer fact that they're doing this across the board and just going ape on anybody that they think doesn't have enough power to stop them. Yeah, and and before I get a bunch, of, do not put a bunch of you are against the police. You can be for the police and against police brutality. You can think and chew gum at the same time. Mm-hmm. And there shouldn't be police brutality. Period. And, and uh, police officers will tell you there shouldn't be police exactly. brutality. So so trying to make these false equivocations or all or nothing arguments uh, is ridiculous because. The bottom line to it is, is that most police officers are doing what they should be doing. But the ones who aren't can take your life. Yep. And they have to be drummed out. And not just take your life. They can physically they can brutalize ass- you. They can physically assault you uh, mm-hmm. and beat you up because you. I'm amazed at the number of people who are beaten up by, by popping off. Quote, unquote, popping off, saying something smart with a smart mouth or they didn't like your tone and they escalate the situation. Right. Or just beaten up because they want to beat somebody up. You didn't say anything. Yeah. You know, like that little old lady. She didn't say anything. She was just. Yeah. And there's a little old lady in 2020 back in Colorado who was uh, who was beaten up and brutalized. Little white lady. By police officers. And what we're saying is that as as Africa, what we're saying as descendants of uh, of freedmen as African Americans, right? That we approach this with a B one perspective. As black folks, yeah, uh-huh. uh, with a with a B one perspective, and that we form coalitions with others to help us get our outcome, and also they get their outcome, and it creates a better America. Mm-hmm. That we seize back the narrative. Right. From the far left. And we seize back the narrative from the far right. The far left is that we as black people are simply victims of society. The far right is that you are a bunch of animals who deserve what you get. And what those two extremes do is they they box in ordinary people. They box in ordinary people and uh, into these mindsets that disable them. And they pit people against one another. As long as as long as we let. The far left and the far right have have their way. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to be uh, perpetual victims, mm-hmm. and it's somebody else's fault. 
everything is white people's fault or everything is is minorities' fault, and we'll always be fighting with one another. The moment that we look up and stop listening to the narrative and create our own our own argument and our own coalitions and start working together, we can disseminate them and get rid of them. Yeah. And you've been listening to nine you've been listening to On the Record with Tiffany on nine thirty AM the Tiffany answer. and Kevin. Yeah, she included me on that one. <laughs> We'd like to know what you think about this. Visit our uh, YouTube channel and drop your comments. We are doing a special campaign at Texas Kidney Foundation to get your kidneys checked. It is called Silent But Deadly because kidney disease is a silent but deadly killer. And we need you to go to our website, silentbutdeadly.org, take a 12-question test, and we will send you a kit to your house. Get your kidneys checked at silentbutdeadly.org. You are listening to On the Record with Tiffany and Kevin on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Where we are the descendants of uh, Friedman giving you an unapologetic uh, B1 Republican perspective uh, on on the world. So uh, business, Tiffany, uh, let's talk a little bit about that. So I, uh, you know, I, I do... I produce the show, and so I do a lot of the research, and a lot of the research involves me uh, going online and listening to different stuff. And there is a lot of uh, Marxist views that are out there on the left, right? And they are extremely uh, anti-capitalist, right? And, and from my view, their complaints are against crony capitalism, not true capitalism, from my viewpoint. Right? And everybody has complaints against gr- crony capitalism. It's terrible. Yeah, and that's just part of the system that we just have to be vigilant to work out. But the the one part of that... We I, have to be vigilant to drum out. Yeah, the drum out. And what did I say? I don't know. It was you, wrong. You said work, <laughs> work no, out. No, I'm just, I'm just clarifying. Yeah, okay. You know, the one thing that I just can't get with, right, is from each according to his ability to each according to his need. That statement, does, does, I'm like, how does that work, right? Because what if you're a lazy butt and you have a whole bunch of needs and you're just sitting on your porch, but I'm out there just working and hustling, and <laughs> you're going to take from me to give to lazy butt. Yeah, and most most B1s, I would say 99% of, of B1s aren't, they're not against capitalism. They are, uh, they're just simply not. Now, they do want the opportunities. They're pro-capitalism. They're pro-capitalism. Mm-hmm. And I'm pro-capitalism. And I'm an entrepreneur, right? Mm-hmm. And I know the hours that I put in. And mm-hmm. it may be similar to hours to people who are not entrepreneurs. But that just doesn't seem fair to me or anyone else that I talk to that you take from someone, right? We're all willing to give and, and help people mm-hmm. and, and help family members and help non-family members uh, as a, as a, as when it's presented to me as a choice, but to operate under that system of from each according to his ability and to each according to his needs. I just have never. Who's determining ability? Exactly. And it's never worked out. Like you can and have, who's determining need? Yeah. We've, we've seen, we've seen this, this same Marxist idea mm-hmm. uh, executed in Russia and we saw how that worked out. Didn't, didn't work, work out, out too very well. well. And don't give me, well, mm. Russia didn't apply it right. They did, blah, blah. Mm, nope. No. <laughs> uh, so, but yeah, that, that at the end of the day, right, black people are capitalists. Mm-hmm. At they the are. end of the day, no, uh, all these people that are making this argument need to remember, I guess, I think we had this conversation before. It's like that book where there's a machine that, makes everything run mm-hmm. and people get so used to to the convenience of of how things run and and just the effortlessness of how things run that they forget about the machine they forget mm-hmm. oh yep. uh, this is how everything works this is how i'm able to dissent and make the comments that i'm able to make and go home and go to bed and be okay mm-hmm. and not have uh and not disappear in the middle of the night <laughs> you know, because I'm in the wrong political system. Uh, this is how I'm able to go and and work at a at a good job 
and not have to be a, and not have to uh, worry about health insurance or or how I'm going to eat next if I lose that job, right? Because I'm working and living in a capitalistic society, and they've put things in place uh, that can assist me. Yeah. And just as an entrepreneur. I have free education. Yeah. And as an entrepreneur, right, the other thing when I hear people talk about, hey, we just need to have have people with good jobs. I'm like, who's going to provide those good jobs? Mm-hmm. Who's going to provide those good jobs at, at the particular rates that you're talking about? And then, mm-hmm. you know, just understanding uh, economics, once you get those good jobs at that particular rate, you know, that you're talking about, then other things are going to increase as well. Mm-hmm. Right. And so and I'm not saying that uh, in our current form of capitalism and uh, and the crony capitalism that seeps in. Right. That there shouldn't be adjustments and changes. I'm not against that. But I am against this idea uh, uh, from each according to his ability to each according to his need. Right. And that that just doesn't sit well with me. And I can tell you just as a person who grew up as a poor kid who saw his uh, father uh, work two and a half jobs. And I know there are people say, well, he shouldn't have had to work two and a half jobs. Right. But he did. Right. And there was a sense of uh, of, of pride that came with that. And uh, and then also understanding the system, right, that we're in, that there has to be a savings. We've got to save money back. Right. Sometimes there's just a whole process of things that uh, that need to be involved and people need to be educated on that. I think not that I think that I know that the leftists miss. Right. And that is the part. There are several things that that people that 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 uh, that black people especially the B1s, right, who are coming at this from a black first perspective, right? We, it's almost unsaid that we just don't get down with, uh, with with the Marxist part of it, right? Is that they is that they don't recognize the, the entrepreneurial spirit. You've been listening to On the Record with Kevin and Tiffany on 930 a.m., where we are giving a B1 radical Republican perspective that we are unapologetic about it. And we are unapologetic about asking more B1s to come in and participate uh, in the Republican Party and vote in the Republican Party, especially in the primaries, especially in the primaries there. And if you like what you hear or you don't like what you hear and you want to drop a comment, visit us on YouTube at On the Record with Tiffany. Like, subscribe and share. Thank you very much. You've been enjoying On the Record with Tiffany. We encourage you to share these stories with friends and family. You can listen to other shows by going to 930amtheanswer.com. And join us next week for On the Record with Tiffany on 930amtheanswer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.